Hello, welcome. Uh, you are listening to KSPC Claremont 88.7 FM. I am your host for this hour, DJ Shani Masala. Um, and today we have a very special show because, as you guys know, we are doing programs and shows based on prison abolition. That's our theme uh, for the week. And we've been featuring some great community messages on how you can contribute to causes that are working actively to dismantle a private prison pr- proliferation. And we have a team, uh, alumni from the Claremont Colleges who were involved in Drop Sodexo. That was a movement um, that was organized over the past several years. And just a quick backdrop on this, Sodexo uh, is a French food and facilities multinational corporation that do many, many things, but perhaps are well known in university circles, at least, as the company that provides a lot of cafeterias with food um, and staff. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is that Sodexo um, is also a huge investor and proponent of private prisons abroad. Up until 2001, they controlled a majority stake in the Corrections Corporations of America, if I'm not wrong. And then in 2001, after they were outed, several universities dropped their contracts with Sodexo uh, and that got them to ease on that front. But since then, they have actively expanded to proliferate and fund private prisons abroad. And Drop Sodexo was a movement that took place over the past several years uh, that tried to get Scripps scholars specifically to drop Sodexo uh, to facilitate their cafeteria and their dining hall. Um, and that movement succeeded. And that's why I'm so excited uh, to have the team behind Drops of Dex, some of the three of the leading organizers. And if you could all um, unmute, if you could, if you could all unmute turn by turn and maybe introduce yourselves uh, very quickly. Um, Griffin, you're the first on my screen. Can we start with you? Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Griffin. Um, I was joined Dropsodexo in my sophomore year at college, so 2017. Uh, right now, I graduated in 2019, um, and now living in San Francisco, working for um, a, a supportive housing nonprofit in the city. That's kind of what my life is right now. Besides, you know, dealing with COVID every day to day. Um, and I was part of Drops at Exo for a few years, and I was lucky enough to be able to be there right at the end when uh, Scripps finally drops at Exo when we finally when we finally did it. Hi, I'm Alex. Um, I graduated in 2019 from Scripps. Um, I when Drops at XO my senior year, actually, um, I was brought on by another organizer, Alicia, who was part of the team for a little while. Um, yeah, I 
I'm currently in San Diego, but usually I live in Berkeley um, in a co-op house, which is a really great time. Um, yeah, I am currently working as a personal assistant to a uh, professor at Berkeley, um, which is a pretty fun gig. He's like a journalism professor. Um, yeah, dealing with COVID, trying to figure out post-grad life. Um, yeah, that's what I'm up to right now. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and Alex, or I think maybe it's Sophie, because I saw an article that mentioned all of your school years. Uh, Sophie, were you in the year that got hit by COVID? Yeah, unfortunately, I was. Um, <laughs> it would have been really nice, definitely, to win the Sodexo battle on campus. Um, but we all had to celebrate from home the victory. Um yeah, it, it was definitely a weird, a weird final couple months of college last year. Um, but I definitely, I feel for the the current students in college and the current organizers doing work right now. Um, definitely a, a difficult battle doing it all from home, not on campus, but definitely doable. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good uh, starting off point, just to give a general feel from you all as to even before Drops the Dexter, what kind of drew you to, um, I guess, organizing in general or, you know, being like a social justice cause is something that I actively want to spend my time working on um, in college. So I was wondering if you could talk a bit about how your journey kind of took you here. Yeah, I, I, I can start with that. Just go, go with that cycle again. Um, so... With in terms of just organizing, I think I've been lucky enough to just be placed throughout my whole life in a community of organizers. Both my parents um, are, you know, change makers, organizers within the world of sustainability and social justice. And so I really grew up in that environment of, you know, whether it was through school, outside of school, really being kind of pushed to organize for what I believe in. And I think that that is a, a sense of self, a sense of drive that's really carried on in all of those kind of in my stages of life. And being in an environment like Claremont, where I was surrounded by so many other amazing, intelligent, really thoughtful and powerful people, um, like a lot of the people that I met at, you know, with Drop Sodexo movement, uh, I think it really just bloomed that you know, organizing into something more and something quite, you know, on my end that I'm really proud of, of that impact. Yeah, I, I that, sorry. <laughs> um, I, I got very interested in prison abolition and justice around that issue in high school. And so by the time I got to college and I learned that Scripps had contracted with Sodexo and that, I mean, our, our beds are built in prisons and all of that information came out. I think I started to see how close to home it really was and how I was learning about all these issues in classes and talking about it with friends and in clubs, but I we weren't actually like doing very much or I, I was not. And I saw a group of students um, 
put together a protest uh, and not go into Malat one day. And I was super inspired by that. And I realized how, just how, how it was on campus and how it was right around me and how it was, it was time for me to, for me to join that movement and um, get involved. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Um, so I kind of came into it through the like food justice side also. Um, I was part of the Scripps Food Recovery Network for a while, um, which takes um, unused food from the lot and delivers it to various um, shelters and nonprofit organizations that are serving food to community members around Claremont. Um, so I was a part of that. And then obviously just being a student in Claremont, you know, you're very aware of the prison industrial complex and, um, you know, the need to abolish prisons. Um, and so, yeah, as like a, I've been a communist for a pretty long time at this point. And so um, when Alicia asked me to join, I was pretty, pretty gung ho into it. I was like, this is obviously something we need to do. Um, so let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Um, it's interesting because all of you mentioned being in that environment on campus and being surrounded by people who are like-minded in terms of being progressive or being um, active or socially conscious. Um, but sometimes it's harder to see what's happening right in front of you because even with uh, you know, drops the Dexo and Malat. A lot of the times, at least, I feel like the attitude is, well, what's the point? And it's hard to see that the same company that's, you know, providing you with meals and it's just basically for you an avenue where you can get a, you know, good food with your friends is also, on the other hand, facilitating vast human right abuses um and when you were on campus in was that i'm not necessarily sure if challenge is the right word but was that hard kind of when you were trying to you know spread awareness about it trying to impress the gravity of the situation onto people in terms of this is the reality that's in front of us yeah i think um and I'm sure, you know, both Sophie and Alex have a lot to say about this as well. And that just being that, you know, I'm, I think it changes college to college, even if it's on a larger Claremont, but it's particularly with this movement with Drops Adexo. And the funny thing is, is that the, when we were all in college and, you know, part of Drops Adexo, um, that was only, you know, the latest iteration of Drops Adexo. And I think it really, that idea, you know, there's been plenty of other um, classes before us that had tried to push for dropping Sodexo, particularly within scripts. And just with this idea around institutional knowledge, and at, at the time, there's not a lot of infrastructure to you know keep that movement going. That's something that I think really is, becomes a detriment to organizing within you know colleges where a lot of the administration and, you know, these organizations that work on campuses really count on the fact that, you know, students are going to be going away for, on, you know, for summer break, going to relax. They're not going to be wanting to organize because they're tired, you know, trying to, 
you know, build back their mental health and physical health. And then, you know, sooner or later, they're going to graduate. And a lot, you know, that's throughout the world, if not, you know, just particularly the US and California and Claremont, like all of those different scales is that they're really counting on the fact that, and I think that's one of the hardest parts about organizing on campus is like you really not just trying to get people involved that semester and, you know, get people energized, but you're trying to figure out a way how, you know, you can keep people, you know, year to year, even after you graduate, you building that infrastructure of knowledge, of impact, and really trying to just, you know, and I think what was something that we did really well was, and that was especially, I think, towards the end of the movement, was people would just come on campus, you know, uh, you know, freshmen, people looking uh, at the school, and they would know what the Drop Sodexo movement was, and they would know, you know, what, why, uh, how Sodexo was connected to um, the prison industrial complex. And just even building that narrative and that understanding was, I think, such a huge part of why we are able to succeed in the end. So that was a little bit. Um, of what I think it was like re- organizing on campus and the difficulties, but also the strengths that came out of it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I think we made sure to make the movement uh, intergenerational and to get different students involved through the years and also to talk to, to keep in contact with alums um, and of course, to talk to any any family members who came during uh, family weekend and to just make it as big as possible and to not just make it a smaller niche movement um, within the lefter parts of campus, but instead to make it into an entire campus issue because there are so many different aspects of it that resonate with people. And it's where we eat every day. And uh, it's the people who we see and we talk to each day in the dining hall and to just make it something that everyone could connect to. And we think that by the end, we had made it a, a big enough issue. We'd pushed the issue enough that the administration couldn't ignore it anymore because everybody knew what Drop Sodexo was and everybody wanted Sodexo off campus. Um, and so it wasn't just a fringe group of students, but it was campus-wide and that was super important to us. And I also think we tried to make a really clear point that it's, you know, we love the workers at Malat. You know, they hold a very special place in my heart and a lot of students' hearts. Um, and this isn't about, you know, the, you know, Malat as a place. It's about the the corporation, Sodexo. Um, and, you know, we want those workers to be able to stay there and, you know, work in a equitable and just workplace um, and be able to eat good food that doesn't come from, um, you know, uh, poor food safety practices. Um, And so I think we did a pretty good job of driving that point home um, so that people understood like this is about the larger corporation um, and not the people that we see every day. So I think we did a good job with that. I also, we had some great support from Scripps faculty as well, um, which also helped um, kind of facilitate some of the intergenerational knowledge um, because they would know students that had worked on this, you know, 
five, seven years ago that we were able to get in touch with, um, which was great. Um, another part of the challenge, I think, was, um, you know, the fact that there, there is student organizing on campus and sometimes like you see it fail, which can be really hard. Um, and obviously Sodexo was ultimately a success, but it did take a really long time, um, you know, longer than it should have. And there's, you know, other instances of that around campus. Um, so I think it can be hard sometimes to look at an issue and, you know, be able to actually think, oh, we can do something about this. Um, just because the institutions around us are, you know, monoliths, you know, in our lives, you know, it just seems like, you know, we can't do much to take them on. Um, but, you know, maybe after 10 years, we can. <laughs> um, it just takes a lot of work and a lot of time, but ultimately it's possible. Yeah, so I, I think something that Alex reminded me of is that it was really, I think what was really exciting about where Drop Sodexo ended up is that it became a movement not really just based around people interested in, you know, fighting for prison abolition or people interested in, you know, food justice. And it wasn't just the, it was faculty. It was, it was the workers that we were trying to talk to who were just trying to, you know, really create a better living and working environment for themselves. But it was also a lot of other community organizing groups on campus. And that was something that was really amazing that came out of it was this cooperative movement of, you know, not every organizing group on campus is always going to have a huge student body all the time that's going to be backing them or going to be able to go to every event. And that was definitely the case for Drops at So there's events where we had, you know, five people, three people. But what we came to realize is it's sometimes there it's a matter of building the base and trying to get as many people involved, but it's also about having the those people who are actually committed to the movement and willing, you know, to support each other at every turn. And that was where, you know, with Alicia and and a lot and us, we we started this uh, organizing cooperative on campus where it was different groups, you know, Students for Justice in Palestine. It was um, different organizing groups around the five C's that were really fighting for the same cause and that could support each other at different events and at, at different, you know, through different organizing that we were doing, we were able to come together, have those conversations and really, you know, build a, a supportive organizing system, which was incredible and super exciting to be a part of. And I think that was had a um, really huge impact on just always continuing to put pressure on the school because if it wasn't, you know, from Drop Sodexo, it was going to be from another organizing group that that we were all, you know, united and, you know, in this fight for a better campus. Absolutely. I also think just the point that all of you brought up is this was this didn't happen in one year. This didn't happen overnight. And I think um, people such as myself in my year or people in years after who you know, know who will live, hear about it and be like, oh, Drops the Dex has succeeded at this point. I think it's easy to kind of assume that, you know, in that particular year or the years just immediately before that. But no, like you all said, it's like sustained 
committed change over several years with several different iterations of students. And I think that's one of the good things about organizing on campus too also is because you have such that close-knit community, you know, you can also kind of nurture and provide the way for people to take up the mantle kind of after you to make sure that the cause is at the center um, as opposed to anyone who happens to be on campus at that point in time. Um, and so shout out um, a lot workers, shout out other groups, um, and shout out to all everybody who has been involved with Drops and Exo. Awesome. For people who might not necessarily be familiar with Sodexo just generally as a company, I mean, I gave, you know, a very brief introduction at the beginning, but you all are in a much better position to talk about it. So for those who don't know, do you mind just giving a bit of context as to what exactly they do? Pretty much just the worst. <laughs> no um, more words necessary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so I think you really describe Sodexo right at the beginning. Um, they are a huge multi-conglomerate company that actually, that are, that's based in France and actually originally were based in the U.S. Um, until, you know, a while back, I think it was in 2011, there was a huge um, collegiate movement that worked to kind of really destroy the Sodexo name and its its value within the U.S., just, again, around this um, idea of how mu- just how much investment they had in the prison industrial complex and the creation of prisons, at, particularly within the U.S. And so through that movement, they were actually kicked out of the U.S., you know, not not by, through colleges or anything like that, just in, in terms of they are, they are kicked out of the, the prisons within the U.S., although they had still prisons everywhere else across the world um, that they were invested in, that they had helped cr- to create and maintain um, and to, you know, utilize labor from. And they moved to, to France. They changed one letter in their name. So it went from S-O-D-E-X-H-O to S-O-D-E-X-O, because obviously that was made a huge difference. And mm-hmm. no one was going to see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, when you put sunglasses on and you think it's going to be a whole different person. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and they, but they continued to still work with schools across the United States, along with other um, huge, um, what they call the big three in the food justice world. So Aramark, um, Sodexo, and Compass which are the huge multi-conglomerate companies that either have investments in, you know, the prison industrial complex, if not in, you know, the, you know, GMOs and big farms and, you know, each have their history of horrible um, labor practices. And so that's a, that's a little bit extra of, you know, on to, from what you said about mm-hmm. Sodexo. So just like I said in the beginning, just a completely horrible company. <laughs> inside yeah. and out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thank you for giving that insight. So from the time where all of you first got involved with Drops Dexo to the end when you were successful in managing to get it dropped, 
what would you say, and you talked a bit about this in the beginning, what would you say were some of the major obstacles, or maybe not necessarily even obstacles, but like surprises um, along the way uh, through the experience? In my research for this, I also noticed that uh, there was an opinion piece, uh, at least in the TSL, regarding uh, the attitudes of some of the workers uh, at the Malad Dining Hall. Um, and so I just kind of want to talk, uh, wanted to ask you about how that whole process was like in terms of some people who might not have thought this was the best way to go. For sure. Um, at least I'll say for the workers that we have spoken to, um, most of them were pretty anti-Sodexo. Um, they, you know, had lots of issues with like management favoritism, um, and just general like not good work practices. Um, obviously, every worker has their own experience and own opinion. Um, and so, you know, we can't speak on behalf of, you know, they're not a monolith. Um, but I will say like in terms of some of the obstacles we faced, um, I think in like American history it tends to be pretty individualistic. So like when you're learning about movements and whatnot in history class growing up, you're like, oh, like this one dude gave a speech at one rally and then everything changed. And like, actually it's mostly just meetings. Like it's like m just meeting after meeting with like lots of different people, like discussing tactics and like best practices and like how to go about things in the best way possible. Um, and so that was something that like I personally had to realize. I was like, oh, this isn't just like, you know, going out there and, you know, I don't know. It's not as like glorious as, you know, TV and movies make it seem obviously. Um, so that was something that I realized. Um, and then another obstacle was um, Pomona dropped Sodexo um, a few years before Scripps did. Um, and Pomona's dining hall is now um, managed by Pomona itself, and they're also unionized, um, which is awesome. Um, but there was definitely some union busting that happened um, before they were able to vote and um, form the union. And some people ended up getting fired, unfortunately. Um, and Pomona just did some really shady things around there. So people were scared that that would happen at Scripps as well, um, which we obviously did not want to have happen. Um, so that was something we faced in terms of like, obviously it would be great if these workers, you know, want a union, if they could get a union and like, if we could get scripts to manage the dining hall itself. Um, but obviously we don't want any workers to get fired or harmed in the process. Yeah, similar, similarly to what Alex just said, um, or the first thing that you just said, I, I think I didn't have very much organizing experience or really none at all before getting into this fight. And I really did not realize how how much the administration would undercut us at every turn and try to lead us astray. Um, my first year as part of Drops at EXO, uh, we were just told over and over by President Laura Tedens to create a committee or to do more research or to talk to this person or get another meeting and then be on her books for a meeting a month from now and just to basically like wait it out. Um, 
I think she definitely just wanted us to graduate and move along and the the fight would just end there because we're students and we leave for the summers and we leave for the winters and there's study abroad and there's so much turnover. And as I said earlier about intergenerational organizing, that proved to be very important. But beyond that, I think just sticking with it and not not listening when administration just pushes you to uh, pass through some bureaucratic steps and rather to create your own narrative and uh, to to bring the conversation to what you want. And so they are forced to respond to your demands versus you just going through all of the all of the hurdles that they set up for you. Um, yeah, just making it all about your demands and forcing them to respond. Yeah, I think that was very well said by both Alex and Sophie that that kind of to summarize a lot of the struggles that we went through. It was a lot of kind of iterations of Drops at X, I would say, and, and at least in my four years and the four years that Sophie um, was there of where it it changed from, you know, being this like really, because I originally got into it from lo- seeing an article or reading an article talking about um, Sodexo's connection to the prison industrial complex. And then it, there was this, it was this open movement where they're like really hard hitting um, to where there is this one kind of, and Sophie mentioned this, there's this one protest that we did where we, um, we tried to get no one to, we, to go into the Malat dining hall. And we, I think, unfortunately, we really hadn't discussed this a lot with the workers. And so in that moment, the management within Malat, as well as, you know, the school itself was able to really like create this narrative that, you know, it wasn't that we were fighting drops of Dex, or it's not, it's not drops, but we weren't fighting, you know, Sodexo as an organization, a corrupt and horrible organization and an oppressive organization, but we are fighting the script, the Malat. And so that, which, which, you know, encompassed the workers. And so a lot of the workers, you know, from that, uh, that protest ended up being really scared of us and nervous. And I think that brought about that this kind of first issue where, you know, what were we, who were we really, you know, fighting for, for, you know, was it, was it to fight just to fight or was it to, you know, really support this community? If we're going to support this community of workers, of students, of, um, and fight against the prison industrial complex, then we have to have those people in this conversation and we have to Mm -hmm. work with them. And I think it, we then, you know, came to this, you know, through that process that came out of, you know, us going back underground and really trying to like what Alex was talking about was just having meetings and discussing, you know, what were these next steps going to be? And, and then, you know, then we, you know, came back out again and we try, you know, having conversations like what Sophie was talking about with the administration. And, you know, if it, you know, like I said, they count on the fact that we're going to go on vacation. They'll have a meeting. They'll say, you know, let's talk about this afterward, you know, after you come back from break. And then, you know, cause they hope that the movement is going to slow down. Um, and they say, you know, if it's not, you know, it's not the right time, that's always going to be the case or the finance mm-hmm. doesn't seem to work right now. Yeah. But again, to Sophie's point, at the end of the day, what we figured out is that it's not a, really about what the administration says. Mm-hmm. They make decisions based on really at the end of the day, the money that they get. And if we threaten that, 
financial stability of the of you know whatever system you're working against. So for us, financial stability of scripts because we were talking with parents, as yeah. was mentioned, like we were talking with like faculty, like people that like really had that that political power to yeah that would do it. And and so we built that base, and that was the huge I think shift and of where we struggled when we were working we were trying to work within, you know, use the tools of the administration and work with them. When we Mm -hmm. succeeded, it was when we went around that and started actually organizing and talking and communicating with workers and communicating with other organizing groups and communicating with faculty and family, Mm -hmm. such as like what Alex and Sophie pointed out. And so that was, I think, a huge shift in our movement and what, you know, blossomed into that final push to finally kick Sodexo out. Yeah, I think the point that all of you brought up about how it's so easy to get discouraged, especially when, you know, you have bureaucratic obstacle after bureaucratic obstacle placed against you. But like you all said, it's that will be successful, successful based on how complacent you are. And and if you can kind of sidestep that and be like, no, I'm just going to be doing my own thing. And there's power in it. And clearly we saw the power in it uh, because you guys ended up succeeding. You are listening to KSBC Claremont, 88.7 FM. So now we are nearing the end of our special drop Sodexo group show. Maybe we can just kind of talk about uh, the sort of stuff uh, post uh, drop Sodexo as to where you guys are at right now. And, you know, just kind of the legacy um, of what's been left behind. Um, and I guess the last question I kind of want to ask everyone is, so we get to the point where Scripps finally does decide to drop Sodexo. I want to kind of ask how that moment felt like for you all as organizers who have been working on that um, for a while. I mean, take me through, you know, the process of how those days were going. Yeah, I think definitely... Personally, it felt almost like an entire year rather than just a moment. Uh, I was lucky enough to be there uh, in 2019-2020 for the actual dropping. Um, and I think I, I felt it most in February of 2020 when we were in a room. There had, um, I'll go back a little bit actually, we, uh, Scripps had decided to review the contract or to uh, open up uh, requests for proposals from uh, different companies and different things to reassess if they wanted to uh, sign another contract with Sodexo. And that in itself was already a win for us. The fact that they didn't just re-sign that contract behind closed doors in 2019. Um, But so they brought Sodexo to campus uh, February of 2020 and we ended up packing that room, uh, Balch Auditorium, uh, with, I want to say, hundreds of students and faculty and supporters um, who all had signs that said Drop Sodexo, and uh, students all asked questions of Sodexo, very pointed questions, and made it incredibly clear that Sodexo was not welcome on campus. And I think that walking out of there that day was when I when I really felt that the tide had fully turned and that there was no way that Scripps could sign Sodexo again and that we'd won. And so despite 
it still being a few more months before it became official, I think that was really the moment that everybody saw that it was not sustainable and it would not um, be in the school's best interest at that point uh, to sign Zdexo again. And so that was, that was the most beautiful moment um, for sure for me of the entire campaign. Um, Yeah. Just seeing everybody walk out, feeling so much power. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so I guess in terms of post drops Dexo, because, you know, we have a lot of college students who are sitting in on this. So I guess my question would be, what do you see as more things that need to be done, um, in terms of students getting involved on campus and kind of following up with the success that Drops at Dexo has, especially, you know, with all the stuff that's been going on uh, over the past year. Um, so just maybe a quick, um, do you want to talk about where you're at right now? And, you know, what kind of, you know, the legacy you see in terms of where the campus or like, you know, where community organizing groups on campus can go from here? For sure. Um, I, this I'm, is probably a really long way off, but I would love to see um, Scripps ultimately managing its own dining services. Um, I think that would be awesome. Um, and that would just mean that like the students have a much more direct say in what is happening on campus and like different um, needs that people have around food could be better respected, um, which would be awesome. Um, Another thing, I think just like getting more involved in the outside community, like outside of the Claremont bubble um, of the campuses and like, you know, with actual community members around, you know, Claremont um, and other towns nearby would be awesome. Um, Like we just have so many resources on campus um, that, you know, we can utilize and leverage um, to benefit the other people around us. Um, So I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I agree with Alex. <laughs> I, I think it's really special to be a part of, you know, this the Drops of Dexter movement and everything that happened and was accomplished. And I think that's, it's amazing what we did, but as Alex pointed out, there's still a lot more to be done. Whether that's, you know, Bon Appetit, they have their benefits, you know, they do, you know, source relatively locally and sustainably, but they also have a history of poor worker practices and worker treatment. And you can see that, you know, through the work that the, you know, Claremont Worker Alliance is doing um, at Pitzer. Um, And I think nothing on the Claremont colleges, nothing in our society is above being critical about and really pushing for change because even if you think you know like oh it's so, such a small issue it's really connected to a larger system of issues and oppression and and to alex's point i think the most important thing that i try to continue to do and i think you know is, is important for people within claremont is to listen 
and to listen to what's going on, to listen to the people before you that organize, but also that's, you know, currently there and going through it. Um, whether that's, you know, the, and the indigenous people that, you know, that, that we have access to and that are we able to, you know, have conversations with, or it's the faculty that have this institutional knowledge and are able to share with you these stories and these change moments, or it's really just a lot of, you know, the different students who are being impressed in various ways with on the campuses and outside of the campuses. Because as Alex said, this is a bubble, but it's also a bubble representative of a larger society Mm -hmm. of problems. Yeah, and I'm also super excited about the possibilities for drops at exo-esque movements around the country, because I know that since we won several, a bunch of different organizers um, at different schools around the country have reached out and we've spoken to them. And it seems as though word has traveled that Scripps has dropped Sodexo and a lot of new student organizers have um, been inspired to try to do it at their school because we've been able to show that it can be done um, just as several other schools have as well. Um, Yeah, so I'm just excited to see that play out across the country and I'm excited to see future abolitionist organizing efforts uh, in Claremont, of course. What Sophie reminded me of is just a shout out to Uprooted and Rising, which is um, a group that we were able to get connected to, but is, you know, really part of that and more national campaign um, to build for food sovereignty. Um, so, I mean, that was just to Sophie's point. Shout out, shout out. Uh, thank you all so much uh, for coming here. We really appreciate it. Um, to everybody who's listening, we hope you took something away uh, from these stories and hopefully it gives you an idea of what, you know, organizing on the ground in a college campus especially looks like and how it can be successful, you know, provided that you're consistent and you're determined and you, you know, forget, you remember um, where your values lie. Well, you heard it here and thank you also, Alex, and thank you so much, Sophie, all of you guys, all of you all for being here. I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Really special to be here. Mm. <laughs> Tune in for the revolution. <laughs>